I'll call you up on this. Literally the other day you said, oh, but my phone's got like six cameras. Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm Roger. And welcome to The Middle. Where we try to have thoughtful conversations. About awkward topics. On our search to find The Middle. announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. I act as if God exists. Put your masks on. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Roger, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Um, been an interesting week. Um, my head's actually spinning a little bit. I've I've just finished the Johnny Depp, Depp versus Heard oh. miniseries on Netflix. Oh so, my God. Uh, Why did you do it to yourself? I, I don't know why I did it. I actually, I didn't want to do it, but then um, I feel at the time when it actually came out, I wasn't really paying enough attention. So I thought, oh, maybe this will be a great way of doing it. And the way it was sold was really brilliant as well because it was saying that you have been manipulated by social media and TikTok and the news cycle. What we're doing in this documentary is we're actually doing, for the first time ever, we're doing side-by-side arguments. That, well, that was enough to draw me in, the fact that they're doing side-by-side arguments for the first time. Because as a skeptic like I am, I felt like at the time, I must admit, even though there was some great clickbait and there were some incredible clips of Amber Heard, I did feel like social media was trying to manipulate the public. So, you mean to say, like, you, you missed it the first time around. And so, of all the important global news stories to make sure you're across, this is the one that you invested how many hours to get back into? Uh, it was about two and a half hours. <laughs> oh, that's less than I, that I thought. It was, only, it was only three episodes, I think, and um, <laughs> I was doing other things. Did you watch the documentary on Netflix via your Apple TV? No, I did it through um, the Netflix app native to this uh, Samsung TV. Oh, yeah. Samsung's pretty good, aren't they? Yeah, they make good TVs. <laughs> and a, a, a whole range of consumer electronics. <laughs> well, uh, we'll get to that, but I don't know. There's been, a, there's been a graveyard of Samsung things as well, battery exploding issues and also uh, um, the infamous um, smartphone fridge. Okay. Well, what are we talking about then? Well, this is something that has been on the dance card for for a while now for us, but I think we skipped over it a few times because there were bigger issues to get to, like maybe, you know, Ukraine and <laughs> The Voice and other things. So, to your point about the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, this is probably not the most important topic in the world, but it's something that we find ourselves talking about every now and then. Now, this is about Apple versus PC, right? And I'm an Apple guy, you're a PC, Samsung, Android guy. Well, see, this is the thing, right? It's not just PC. It's Apple versus the rest, right? Yeah, I think so. It's Apple versus the rest. Um, But we'll we'll get to that distinction because I think that it's actually Apple versus Microsoft. That's where this tech field played out. No, I mean, mean, historically, that's where it played out. And then it's kind of become Apple versus the rest of the world. Yeah, in terms of consumer electronics and and different services and things like that. But it definitely started off uh, a couple of decades ago with this Apple-Microsoft competition. And it's branched out from there. Yes, for sure. So, yeah, I'm an Apple guy, unashamed about it, uh, proud of it. And, uh, you know, when we've been talking and and building this podcast, doing our other creative endeavors, it always seems to come up in some way, almost like a Sydney, Melbourne kind of thing where there's always a little bit of a, a little bit of a stab in the back, a kick down the stairs, if you will, just things every now and then, right? And it's, it's something that's quite universal that 
divides us as a community that, you know, whether you a blue bubble text man or a green bubble text man and, and how you identify and what does it say about you, how you choose to be loyal to your electronics and, and so on. I'm going to start with just like the basics. When you got your, your first smartphone, why did you decide to, to go down the Android versus Apple route? Well, probably starts before that though, right? So like you, you raised around the whole Microsoft sort of Apple thing. I would say most people our age would have grown up on a PC. It would have been the computer that the first computer you used at school. It would have been, you know, probably if you had a computer at home, it was more likely to be like a, a PC IBM sort of style with Microsoft Windows installed. Like my, well, like for, for our age, yeah. Like Windows 95, that was like, you know, and Windows XP, that was dominant, right? That was what everyone was using. Yeah. And then I think Apple had a little bit of a renaissance kind of towards the late 90s and some people sort of got into into them then. And then, you know, they, they were sort of growing from a low base and then, you know, then they had this like exponential growth sort of thereafter, remembering, of course, they've got a long history. But in terms of what I remember growing up, no one used Macs. Like Macs were just this, like they were considered like the shit. Maybe they had some niche applications or uses or whatever and they were growing. So like there was probably, you know, some marketing strategies to to build their fan base. Then I suppose when you came to sort of like the first rounds of smartphones, it's like so say when the Apple iPhone and even like the um, before that you had like the iPod touches. Remember those? Like yeah. just, just to kind of draw the distinction because like it, it wasn't just that suddenly there's this I, there's this like smartphone like it was it was actually a little bit more hazy than that right people who had like ipods and at the end of the day that was just like a a good mp3 player right and they probably did produce the best mp3 player and then that merged into the ipod touches which again like there was nothing quite like that on the market so yeah for that kind of product it was it was amazing right and then when the iPhone came out, there was, again, like they invented that kind of smartphone. I mean, there was probably smartphones before that, that were of a different format, but that whole um, smartphone yeah, no thing. Palm Pilots? Yeah, and like Blackberries, right? Remember Blackberry was like the biggest thing, you know, for, especially for corporate users. So, yeah, it wasn't quite like as black and white as are you a Apple person or not. It was like Apple had the market at that at that point. And then when the others started coming out, like Samsung probably was the most dominant, but there were like heaps of others as well. It, it was more like about value proposition, like which one is going to be like the best value for money. And then Apple was always the more expensive one. And then there were always cheaper options other than Apple, right? It, yeah, no, it's a good setup yeah. actually. Maybe maybe we jump forward too much because this is this is kind of my bag, right? Like I am not like super techie techie, but I, I come from an IT background and I did an IT degree and in terms of like the structure of it is that you know in the 70s and 80s there was a big rise of apple and actually they set the standard on a lot of things around user interface right it's only in the in the kind of 80s to 90s period that they had a huge decline and bill gates and microsoft rose to dominance in terms of operating system right and there were a range of things like internal problems in the company and price point issues and all sorts of things right so windows kind of took over but then in the late 90s steve jobs came back into the business and that's when we started to get the iMac which was hugely popular in 1998 this kind of integrated design like and it's seen as a real design piece and not just a cobbling together of internal components which PCs often are and so when I went through my IT course that we've spoken about before iMacs and Apple really rose to prominence because they moved away from their operating system 
and based it on Unix. So this really aligned well with tech type people, right? Because they use this open source operating system, which you could go into a terminal, you could customize yourself. And all of a sudden, Apple was back in the game, right? In terms of having an operating system that was stable, customizable, and for tech people, as well as having like a really nice designed element as well that started to become trendy and trendier from there until we move into the 2000s where you've got all the, you know, iPods and smartphones and all this kind of stuff. So it really has like, I separate it out into this kind of early period in the 70s where actually the the original Apple people were some of the techiest out there. And then to where we are now, which is actually most people think of Apple, they think of Steve Jobs. But really that was like, you said, the renaissance of Apple. But see, like that's kind of like not how... I think most people experience Apple products, right? I- including the the products that they released at that time, because Apple is like notorious for being a walled, like a walled garden, right? You you get in and they don't let you out. So it's actually all about <laughs> sucking you in, such that like, oh, you're so linked into this this network and system now that you're you're in, you're in prison now. So like you you've got to stay <laughs> with us, and and you and you sound like a little bit like you got Stockholm syndrome. No, um, that's that's not true. <laughs> but but the like, fact that they they built their operating system on Unix. Yeah, but tells but, you but, but no, but, but no, no. That's not how people use their products. Like people don't like. Who are you kidding? Right? You're you're what you're in there going in playing with Unix code, whatever. That's not what people are doing. People are people are using it out of the box, right? And and then like what you're claiming for Apple, it, it's like 180 degrees opposite. Like no. it's everyone else that's more open source and more customizable, and you're claiming that for Apple, but no, Apple, I'm, but that's- I'm claiming that for the operating system that they base it on, it's which where, where they gain their prominence and favor with IT people. Yeah, but and but- I think this is something that's often an accusation at Apple that they trap you in terms of customization. And but they do. No, well, I'm telling well, you that uh, you can you can do a lot of customization if you want, but a lot of people don't want to. Right, and there's a distinction because they can't; that. they don't have the skills to. Well, and if they well, did, they what, what are we talking about here too? When you talk about customization, right? Like, well, like, what can you do? Like, let's let's yeah, get yeah. to real terms. What can you do in your PC operating system that you can't do in a Unix-based system? Well, in, in well, okay, hang on, hang on. You've 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 done a bait and switch here, right? You're referring to a Unix operating system, but. For the average user, they're not going to be... Now, I don't even know exactly precisely what you're talking about when you say you go and customize a Unix-based operating system, but most people aren't going in and wanting to do those sorts of things. Most people are wanting to go online, download a program, install it on their out-of-the-box operating system. Yeah. And that's notoriously like... Well, let's, let's where, keep it to that scope then. What can you yeah. do that you can't do in Mac? Well, install virtually any piece of software with the kinds of skills that most consumer users like, of um, a computer have. Microsoft Office? Is that what you're referring to? No, like just it, think random of, think pieces of, a, of Think of a piece of software that's commonly used by the people you're, you're referring to, everyday users. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you an answer. There, there is the most random pieces of software to do the most random tools that you don't even know that you need until you need it. So like, I'll give you a really basic example, right? So there's like for file management, right? You need to batch change the file names of you know, 100 files, right? From whatever se- series of files, right? <laughs> and yeah. some, you know, some university graduate 20 years ago probably wrote this thing, this software, made it freeware, uploaded it to the internet, and it still works today even 
you know, for, for newer generation computers or whatever. Now, that's one example, like, and that's super niche, right? But there's like orders of magnitude, more pieces of software for things like that available in the non-Apple ecosystem, precisely because it's not locked, it's open, right? There's, there's, there's like the, the business model of Apple is to kind of capture you and to make money off you and and credit to them because they make good products, right? But it's a different philosophy. All right. Well, I mean, the <laughs> the, the use case you're giving me doesn't exactly fill me with confidence of, of I need to, uh, the average user needs to batch reload 100 file names. Um, and the second part I will say to, in response to your comment is, and we get this all the time with not only Apple versus PC, but Apple versus like Android or whatever, the fact that there are more apps or more software, third-party software. Yeah. The very fact that you labeled it as some university student made this like macro, uh, you know, a decade ago that you need to use. No, you don't need to use it. It's a janky piece of software that you probably shouldn't be putting on your bloated PC that you're going to have to deal with later. And so having some governance around what makes it into the operating system is actually a good thing for everybody. No, no, no. See, this is philosophically where I think we will differ because this is like the difference between going to a market-based economy and going into the bakery and being able to get the bread. Somehow, miraculously, the baker knows how many loaves of bread to produce for the for the consumers that come in. And miraculously, it's got the bread that you want to buy. Plus, you don't have to wait in, queue, in a line to, to get it. Plus, you don't have to pay very much for it versus in state-planned economies, you know, probably in, in, say, the Soviet Union in the 70s or 60s or something <laughs> where, where you would have to line in, in a queue with your voucher and they probably didn't have the bread that you wanted. And plus, it probably costs you the equivalent of, you know, three times as much on a, you know, to buy it, right, on a relative basis. So, this is, oh, this is, this is, the, um, um, this <laughs> is the, the philosophical difference between- If you're trying to convince me that uh, Microsoft is capitalist and uh, Apple is, <laughs> you know- No, it's the difference it, between a, a system which is open and where you have many agents- responding to the needs of the people in the system as opposed to Cupertino is that that's where the head office of of Apple is figuring out what people want or need now the art of Apple has been that it has been very successful in let's say the last 20 30 years of having very good leaders and an innovative ecosystem where they have picked some some winners, right? And they have done a good job in, and they've made products. They've been the market leader. But that doesn't mean to say that becomes true of the whole system, right? And that's where I, do, I think they lose out. Yeah. Look, I, I kind of, to me, it's kind of turning your argument against yourself because on one hand, you're saying that everyday people have everyday needs. And then the other hand, you're saying that, no, you're locking them in and, and not giving them enough choice, right, in terms of an open market. So it's kind of, to me, Apple provides both of those options. If you really want to be a power user, you can do that and you can alter all manner of things. But if you just want to be an everyday person, what Steve Jobs and the and the culture have really put in and has continued today is this relentless pursuit of the human, right? And the design element is that people don't buy PCs and components. They have problems that they want to solve. They have tech that they want to 
to use for certain real world problems. Right. But can, can I give an analogy, right, to what you're what you're just outlining? To me, that's the equivalent of saying we'll, we'll give you a, f- a nice food court. It'll have, let's say, fifteen or twenty different takeaway sort of a mix, maybe even a mix of some casual dining options and some, and they're all good. They're all high quality. There's a lot of variety. You know, price is what it is. It's not too expensive, not but not super cheap either. But you, you can't venture out. You can't go and that's it. You're locked into that food court. You can't go to the, the street food stalls on the side of the road. You can't go to the high-end restaurant either. You, you're locked into a world where you can probably very efficiently meet 95% of your needs, but you can't get out of it. Whereas I think that's the crowning glory of the rest because by definition, it's outside of that food court. And you can try anything you like, any dish you can, you know, you can try the, the like, yeah. the, the very best, so, right? So, what do you try, Andy? Like, what, what, do you, what do you try? Like, this is what okay, I want to well, get to what out, if of, I don't out of analogies like, and into, yeah, yeah. into some real world things. All right. What if I want a smartphone that is much better value than anything Apple has? What if Apple does not sell a product that meets my needs in terms of, how many iPhones are there at any given point in time? You go into price. I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you, given yeah, on, but on price what you said. Part of- no, no, I'm challenging you to say, like, if there's something that you need to, a restaurant in your imaginary food court that you need to eat at, there's actually. Pr- price is part of the equation. You can't, you can't say price, oh, we'll just put price to one side. It's like, it's a spectrum of, like, so you imagine, like, every dollar between, let's say, $100 and, you know, $3,000. For every dollar, there's a, like, up, counting from 101, 102, 103 up until $3,000, there's some sort of smartphone being sold on the market, right? Yeah. So, the difference here is we're we're all different, right? We all have different needs and preferences, right? And I don't know how many Apple smartphones there or iPhones there are being sold like in the market at any given point in time in terms of models, but you've got how many manufacturers of smartphones? Like heaps. You've got dodgy ones from China. You've got... Samsung, you've, there's so many manufacturers, right? You, you just have an infinitely greater number of choices to make if you're outside of the Apple ecosystem. Yeah. And I, I was trying to focus on something that you might want to do that's not catered for you. Like, I understand the price element. And Apple do have lower-cost items like despect phones that are actually much more affordable. But price is not something that I would kind of consider in that mix of trapping you in an ecosystem. You know, like, I, I don't think that that is... Yeah, but like once you're like the classic, I mean, and it's interesting now that um, today they've released the new, what was it, the, which, what's the new model there? Oh, the fif- I think the 15. The 15. So what, what's the, um, what's that scammy cable that Apple always used to use? Uh, the, um, the lightning cable. The lightning cable. So yeah. it's just these like these tricks that they play time and time again, right? And so they've been forced by the EU to move to USB-C like the rest of the world. And and so this is the, the first model that will have USB-C, which is good. I'll give them credit for, for at least getting off their scammy practices. <laughs> but like this is the whole thing. Like it's locking you in and soft from a software perspective. Like if you like use the, the cloud, you, you want to access the cloud with all your devices, not just your ra- one random kind of non-Apple smartphone that you've bought because yeah. like- like it, it, Don't you think, Andy, like, okay, let's, let's take it. A lot of the things that we've spoken about chronologically around this, whether you go Apple or PC laptop, for example, that's a big, that was a big uh, decision point for many people. 
now becomes slightly irrelevant as we move to the cloud, right? Where it doesn't matter what operating system you have because everything is done in a web browser, right? So you talked about locking you into an ecosystem, right? Now, Apple have an iCloud service that offers certain things. If they were truly doing what you're claiming, they wouldn't allow you to put Chrome on your, or the G Suite applications on the iPhone, where you can do exactly the same. They're all competitive products to iCloud, where you can store your documents, get your free drives, all this kind of stuff, your emails and all that kind of stuff. That's that's all there. Is How is that then locking you in the system? Because once you have a G Suite, it's all integrated. But it's so not integrated as like efficiently. So if they said, oh, we're just going to like put a ban on like Google services. But, but see, like this is also the thing right? that like I'm telling you as an iPhone user, so you're going to have to trust me because you don't use iPhone. <laughs> and you, you're saying that it's not. Well, if we're going to play that I'm game. I could you, just say, you've got to trust me because you're you not know, an Android well, let, user. Let, let me Android is better than <laughs> Let me try to educate <laughs> this you. This game's not going to go. <laughs> so you, you're, you're claiming that they trap you in. Now, for cloud-based services, which make a lot of things irrelevant, whether you use different applications and things, there are um, you can download the G Suite completely onto your iPhone. So you have all the same benefits you would on a PC in terms of auto-syncing, um, you have each application through the G Suite, your documents, your emails, your music, your photos, all of that stuff, and Amazon as well. So to me, that's not really locking you in and it's actually getting less and less relevant what you choose to go down because of these cloud-based services. So that's like saying that because you can go to www.google.com and use you know Google search engine that just because they allow you to do that that, that that they're not playing games right no, it's not open through a browser no no but it has a native no app I, I know I know I know but I'm just saying that the the proposition you're making is that because there are services that you can also access via Apple even if it's in as good a way yeah that that somehow that means Apple isn't playing this game but but they absolutely are and the reason is because that's their marketing strategy but if they you want G, you not just you to buy the iPhone Suite, which we do what, why do you what, why is it an issue why is it something that to to hate about Apple well I've I, I'm not complaining about access to G Suite on Apple devices that's not what I said I said they they have a walled garden concept right where they're building you into an ecosystem where the switching costs for you become bigger so for you if you switch to pc it it wouldn't be a seamless move to for you as it would be for me if i moved from my dell laptop to an hp laptop for example so i can switch manufacturers of of my devices much more easily than you can. And, and I wouldn't believe for a second if you told me that it would be as easy for you to switch from Apple to, a, let's say we both switched to a, a, a new computer manufacturer or device manufacturer, that it would be as easy for you to do that but as it, it would be for That's me. what I really want really to tease out here, though, Andy, because I don't think, it, I don't think there's a bit any meaningful difference if we were to swap phones. Well, operating system. No, no. I mean, you know, if you talk about, if you're talking about a typical migration of a smartphone, you want to open the phone, have your contacts, access to your documents, access to your photos and your music. Because of the way cloud-based services are now, it'd be very, very easy to relink all those accounts. Um, and there's no difference, right? Whether you're accessing your G Drive from an Android yes, phone, but that's or assuming you're using. That's assuming that you're using a, dr- a G drive. Yeah. Well, what about all your Apple? What about all of the things embedded into the Apple network? You saw, what well, what, whatever. Like so, whatever things that you're relying on with with Apple, whether it's the iCloud or whatever, you would not be able to switch all of that stuff, all of the software that you use, right, and that you've bought, for example. 
all of the devices you've bought with your old, what was it, lightning cable or whatever, it would be more costly for you. The switching costs would be higher. Now, you're talking, you're focusing on the one bit that wouldn't be that hard, right? But I'm saying, yeah, okay, fine. Put that to one side, but what about everything else? And so, it, just as the simple thought experiment goes, right, whether we're talking about, you know, I, I currently have a Samsung, you know, smartphone, but I have switched between, you know, I've had a Pixel before. And it's no trouble. There's no, like, I wouldn't even think, like, every time I'm making a smartphone purchase decision, I'm not thinking I have to get the same phone as my last one, as in brand. I'm thinking, what's the best phone on the market? But I guarantee you're thinking not, what's the best phone on the market for me? You're thinking, what's the best Apple phone on the market for me? And that's it's, a different it's even, it's even less than that, Andy. I don't, I don't have to think, right? And I know that sounds <laughs> yes, like a damning you, statement. Because you've just got one. To, I've got one. One to choose I've from. I've got one phone to choose from every time. <laughs> yeah, but that's not a good thing. It, it, it's I can not. You, it absolutely is not a I good thing. I can assure thing. you that the three iPhones that I've had since what if you I lose have your had enough job? money to What if you lose iPhone, your job and you need... A phone that's half the price of, of what you're used to paying, dude. Even the person that, um, even even the bums on the street have iPhones. <laughs> like, there's not an issue. Like, dollar cost average this thing. Okay, I mean, all I can tell you is that out of the four iPhones that I've had since I've been able to afford an iPhone, <laughs> they have given me zero reason to question the experience and the quality of what they have delivered. And I want to I- I kind of get to get to some more parts of this because that's where I think Apple is very different from the competition. See, I I can say exactly the same thing in that every single smartphone that I've purchased, my last four, five, however many smartphones, I've been very happy with my decision. But the beauty is, the beauty is I had a decision to make. I could choose. I could work out what's the best bang for buck. I could, what's the best deal going on, on, you know, oh, the Pixel's a good price this time around. I'll get that one. Oh, there's this new one that's that's got these oh i wouldn't mind a phone that has these abilities and this is good price or maybe oh i don't really need that this time i'll get the you know i have the choice right and that's the thing like that's what you're missing and and when i gave the example of the bakery this is what you get yeah, when I've you're really, outside I've of already that chosen, i've already chosen that and it's not that <laughs> someone's holding a gun to my head i want it Right. Yeah, well, you know what they say about once you, once <laughs> there's, you there's this dynamic, right? And I think obviously we're, we're changing here because of the actual episode. But sometimes I do really feel like people on the Android side have a real chip on their shoulder about justifying their purchase. And while people on the Mac side don't even think about it. <laughs> and that's because they're very happy in their paradise and it meets their needs, right? So I think that there's this view out there that everyone who has chosen to buy an Apple product, especially a modern Apple product, does not care at all about that's anything other than it's an Apple. No, I think that there's there's a charge that's given to people that's very superficial, <laughs> and I and I actually think it's um. But what's the proposition that like only Android um, users have this chip on their shoulder or something like? Yeah, it's like a Sydney Melbourne thing. It's like how Melbourne always compare themselves to Sydney, but Sydney siders actually don't no, even think about Melbourne. But see, <laughs> it's not a reaction to oh, I've got a, I've got a, like a Samsung Android, so. Like I need to somehow like prove that it's as good as as the Apple. Like it, it it's just that Apple peop, Apple fanboys. Like come on, and you and I, I must admit, I've, I've picked this up with you. There's a certain kind of just evangelical smugness about it, right? Which I, I, which people never, are reacting to. I actually don't talk about it much, man. But like I've, you do, I've, you do. No, do I? Yeah, like I feel okay, like I, the, I, the, you often the more like have a chip on your shoulder about this stuff. <laughs> like you, you want to take down Apple because they're that you feel that potentially people who buy Apple are not intelligent consumers. <laughs> no, no. It's just that you will not hear, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, 
and we can discuss it, but you will not hear from an Android user someone go, oh, this new Samsung Galaxy phone, I've got all this new Android app operating system. Oh, it's so amazing. Like, you don't hear that. And the reason is because people who use these phones, they don't buy into it, right? It's just, oh, it's, okay. it, it, totally they're not- Totally, 100% no, false. There's no bland, brand loyalty. It's just- No, there is, it, man. <laughs> there's 100% false. Okay, this, these are statements well, I've, I have heard well, in the wild, all right? <laughs> statements I've heard in the wild. Oh, have you, is that the, have you got the new iPhone? Oh, they, they finally got wireless charging, did they? Uh, well, we've had that for we've had that for years. You know, even though you can only wireless charge for like five watts or whatever, and it took forever. And or they'll they'll pick another thing where you know all of a sudden they're they're bragging about their feature set, and it's like. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like I often hear that kind of thing, right? Maybe it might not be love of like, oh, did you up- update the new iOS or something like that? But they will talk about how slip in casually or sometimes not so casually how their phone has more features, right? Or it's or they'll drop the the the, the Pixel has the best camera in the market or whatever it is, right? Yeah, but only after some Apple like fanboy or girl is evangelized about the Apple. Because, like, this is like a double-edged sword, right? This goes one of both ways because, like, credit to Apple for building that kind of loyal support. Now, I think you would say, see, that's proof of, like, them having really great products. And to some extent, that's true. I wouldn't deny that they make don't make good products. Like, I'm, I'm not arguing that bit. But, like, you pay a premium for it and you both in price but also reduce choice. And that's the bit that I'm getting at, right? So, whereas everyone else who uses non-Apple products, they have no loyalty. <laughs> like, I've got no loyal. I've got a Samsung now, but I've got no loyalty to Samsung. I'm not going to go and, like, talk about how wonderful Samsung is as, as a brand and their products are. I couldn't give a shit. Like, you, you and, do, But though. you hear that with Apple users. <laughs> you do. I don't. Literally, okay, literally the other day, I'll call you up on this because yeah. I'll call you up on this. Literally the other day, you said, oh, um, we're talking about footage from our phone. Yeah. He said, oh, but my phone's got like six cameras, six camera lenses. <laughs> As I, well, okay. Let me let me make two <laughs> points. First of all, I think I was taking the piss, right? Yeah. but yeah. And it was only in response to you talking about in every sentence when we were talking about, oh, look, so the conversation might be, oh, you can t- actually take pretty good footage from your phone, right? A, a more generic, like, conversation right and then you would say something like oh yeah the, the these these iphones now they take real like oh apples yeah apples iphones like and, and turned it into an apple thing right and that's yeah. that's when I, in response to that I, I go oh yeah but mine's got six cameras right jokingly right <laughs> because i'm <laughs> responding to six. your fanboy your fanboy comment right so, so maybe what i'm really learning from this experience is that i'm not even aware that i'm fanboying and sometimes when i refer to iphones i mean smartphones because it's that synonymous for me well, maybe that's maybe that's a lesson here, <laughs> which is um, in itself a good uh, a good piece of awareness. <laughs> but look, I think that what we're touching on here is quite interesting because we need to get out of just you and I sometimes. And I do feel like because each of these brands, and let's not let's not be honest, like Samsung is not and Apple are not this like David and Goliath story. That's not really what we're talking about here. They're both like have a real monopoly on the on the share of wallet here. I think that people who after a premium phone fall on either side of that category and get a you know Samsung phone and and the latest iPhone and and they're very comparable. But I would say that the range of people that are attracted to the brand, like I'm curious in us having a conversation about that, right? Whether you think there are any meaningful differences of, of why people are attracted to the brand and what it says about them because I think that's where a lot of this conversation gets lost right and some of that is the price point and then you know so like airpods i think was a bit of a flashpoint for that the people who 
you know, having those kind of little dorky earrings in your, your ears was almost seen as a, like, I can afford to do this. I can afford to spend $300 on these wireless earbuds. And it became like a, like a posh thing, like a showing off thing versus some people actually really valued it for other, other things, you know, technology, the, the design innovation and thing like that. So I'm keen on your view on like, are there in your mind meaningful differences about people who are drawn to each of these brands? Yeah, I think so. So Apple doesn't go very favorably with anti-establishment types. I'm kind of thinking of geeky people who can't stand Apple because it's like out of the box, like whereas they actually want to do all this customization. So they might be like gamers that want to spend like three times the price of what most people would spend on their PC, right? Or they want to get like this really epic graphics card or they want to, you know, load the beast up like almost like you would a car, right? So there is a cohort there that I think love the customization abilities of, of let's say, PC, if we're talking about PCs, plus the fact that like most games run more optimally on a PC system because that's how they're, that's that's where the market is, and and you can't argue that with me, right? I'm not a gamer, so I don't have firsthand experience. But like, I don't think there's any gamer who would say, "Oh, Apple's the best for games." Like, that's just not there. That's not Apple's yep. place to I play, agree. right? So, but that's one segment. But there's also another very, very, very important segment. Still, basically, do- means that Windows dominates, and that's corporate, the corporate world, right? So most corporations, like in their IT systems, it's still window based, right? Like I've never worked in a workplace where I've been given as my my sort of here's your standard issue laptop or whatever, and it hasn't been a PC. Yeah. And that's again comes down to some of the things I was saying earlier about what kind of software you you have and need and how the whole system's built out. And in some ways, like Windows has done a good job in locking in its key clientele in, in that sense. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm charging Apple on the hardware side and maybe for consumers of this lock-in thing, but it's not to suggest that it's not a good tactic for Microsoft either, right? Yeah. So there's that cohort. And then there's just people who are price conscious or they're not necessarily price conscious in the sense that they don't want to spend much much money. They might be quite happy to spend a lot of money, but they want value for that money. So they might spend just as much on a phone as they would if, you know, whatever the top spec Apple phone is, but they they want a bit more for their money, or they don't like the, or they don't perceive that they're getting good value for money um, with yeah. Apple. So, yeah, yeah, I think um, just to clarify a few points, PCs have always been popular with with techie people, and for the for the reasons that you gave, the fact that they can build their shop around for their components, they can build their own things, and of course, gaming, hundred percent piece. You know, Apple's not not leading there. The 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 kind of favor I said with IT types is was the switchback to an operating system that was based on Unix. So that was kind of growing back in prominence from where it was. Like the the Mac operating systems before that were pretty diabolical, right? In the in that period in between when they had their decline. So yes, I will admit that PCs do have a more techie element because of that componentry, especially on the hardware side. Really, you know, to fast forward to today, I think that if we're talking about ecosystems and the the non-kind of consumery things, and I'm talking about like, you know, music and photos, really the, the huge following that, you know, the, the old trope that they have around this thing is that Apple and Mac are for design types and PCs are for people who actually want to get work done, right? Like that's, and that kind of sums up what you're talking about where Microsoft and consequently PC has moved and doubled down into more enterprise and Macs are more popular with like design and um, creatives. Now, I think that 
still pretty much stands if you look at a lot of the marketing and, and where things go. And, and for a while, things like Ado- the Adobe Suite and Photoshop and all that was only available on Mac. Um, and now that's since changed. So there's like legacies at play and histories that align these different cohorts. The new co- cohort that I was kind of indicating at was people who are buying these consumer devices, especially mobile devices and other things like wearables. We haven't even begun to talk about like Apple Watches and Samsung Watches and all these kind of wearables that are doing it more as a status symbol, right? Which I don't believe was very prevalent before the advent of smartphones. Like, I don't think that people carried around like the latest, uh, you know, uh, HP laptop in the hopes to impress anyone or raise their status like or maybe they did in certain very small circles but they wouldn't do that to like you know in the same way that you go to starbucks now and and someone's got the the latest shiniest macbook pro and it's proudly displayed as a badge of honor um like that they can afford it all same with the with the airport airpod example that i that i mentioned as well that um it's seen as a bit of a status symbol you know those white airbuds right and i think that's the real change like for those type of consumers, you have all of a sudden people who are saturating the market that don't really care about what has traditionally uh, meant value or, or satisfaction in this market. They're people who have transformed it almost into a luxury good, a status symbol. And I think that that gets thrown or tarred for the people who actually do appreciate Mac for what they are. And I do have a slight problem with that because I fall into that category. You know, I, I actually don't see it as a status symbol. Like I don't put in my AirPods or flash my iPhone out. Like it's something that that I should be proud of. I like it's a tool to me, and and yes, I do I do value it, and I do love the design element. But that's I'm I'm not doing it for those superficial reasons, right? Like I'm doing it because it's a trusted thing that I can use. So that's the bit that I'm you know like it's curious to see that see that play out. You know, Apple is has always been right from like even when you mentioned the whatever those iMacs or whatever in the yeah, late yeah like Sex in the City, Carrie opening her her laptop which was an old school uh, MacBook, right? Which is in the clamshells, the white transparent thing with like the, you know, the green and blues and things. That was like a statement, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's always, Apple's always had aesthetics on its side, right? And it's always kind of owned that space and like everyone else in the market has been trying to sort of catch up or compete or whatever. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't know that consumers are quite as shameless as your painting, like in the sense that they only buy the AirPods because they want to show off that they can afford them, right? I'm saying that it's attracted people like that and purely because that option didn't really exist previously. Yeah, but I don't think it's like a shameless, a conscious thing, right? I think there's a subconscious element where this stuff feeds into where you wouldn't even know necessarily if that, like there's so many different psychological factors that underpin like a purchasing decision, right? Whatever it is. Think about like buying a new car, for example, just to keep it out of Apple and and um, Samsung or whatever space, right? You know, what, what's the reason you, you choose like which model? Like why do people, let's say, not buy, for example, or not aspire to buy Chinese manufactured vehicles, for example? Because yeah. there's there's all these, like they could be objectively the best car for them, but they, they don't because there's don't buy it because they're waiting for the, uh, the apple car to be released <laughs> in two years so anyway but back to the main topic just on on what you said about like you you're you're just happy with the system right you're happy with apple as uh, as a system like objectively speaking so i want to maybe test my own proposition a little bit before where i was like oh boy the switching costs are so high right so maybe to, to then tell my story of why i've not switched to apple 
And it's not because I have never tried Apple. I have actually used Apple products before. So I've had like an, I've had iPhones like for use like at work and stuff like that. And I've, I've had to use Apple computers. I did, I sort of lied a little bit where I said I've never worked in a workplace without Apple computers. Like I did work in one. Um, when I was at uni, actually, one workplace that did have Apple computers, and it drove me absolutely nuts, right? <laughs> and there's two there's two things to speak about to do with this, right? The first is once you're used to one system, it's actually really annoying. Like, so it's not even necessarily that one system's better than the other. It's just that you don't know where the button is, right? And you don't know what the your muscle memory is is isn't attuned to the the different system, right? Yeah, that's only part of it. Like because each time I kind of got familiar with the Apple, like where things were with Apple, but just didn't just didn't seem as efficient for me. Like it just there were there were some efficiency drags, and it wasn't like I, I accept part of it is familiarity, but there was some things like even just maximizing a window and stuff like like yeah. simple shit like that that just. Did, drove me nuts so i couldn't switch i hated it yeah so i'll talk to that i think there is a difference here that i will admit so because I, I i'm a i'm a dual user right so i use pc for work and at home i have a an apple i've got a lot of apple products right there is a big difference between ios which is the mobile user interface and os x or like the mac operating system right the let's start with the good ios i believe was incredibly dominant for a reason, incredibly, incredibly intuitive. And I think that it doesn't get much better than that in terms of a user experience. In fact, the biggest compliment I can can give, and I'm not trying to compare Apple and Samsung now, sorry, uh, Apple and Android phones, but my parents, who are technology technologically illiterate, have picked up Apple products. And they, it, it, because it is so intuitive for people that do not have the baggage of Windows and you know Windows operating systems, it's very intuitive. So I think that is big tick for me. Nothing to complain about there. When it comes to the Mac operating system on a laptop or a, or a computer, I agree with you. I think that Apple are stubborn, and um, there are elements to window arrangement um, and minimizing, maximizing, sorting your windows that still are not as good. Um, And they know this because they authorize third-party apps to help, but I don't know why they don't just put a bit of love into it. Um, And that's coming from someone who uses both, right? So I will agree that there are some differences between the mobile experience and, you know, the the desktop experience for for Mac. And I, I kind of agree with you. But like you said, the reason that you find them frustrating is, is like a lot of it is familiarity too, right? Like that you have muscle memory, shortcuts, this kind of stuff. Um, and because Windows was the only game in town for so long, you kind of cut your teeth on it already, right? And it's, it's just frustrating, right? Yeah. And, and like the one caveat I would give you, on the one hand, absolutely agree with you, but then also absolutely disagree with you at the same time, right? In the one, yeah, in the one, give it to me. In the one sentence or the one paragraph. So, yes, you are absolutely right that Apple as like other innovators here. So, Apple, absolutely. If you want to like assign credit to a company that has revolutionized the usability of tech products, then absolutely, yes, Apple, yes, iOS, right? As in dominates from everything that's preceded it, right? But the problem with that 
as a user or for a consumer is that it's so easy to copy those things. Mm. It's so easy for Android to take the best of Apple, basically copy it. Let's let's like call a spade a spade. Like Android has gone as close to copying like iOS as it like in terms of at least the, the user experience as it can before it would end up in court, right? <laughs> it has but, ended up in court. <laughs> but and it lost. <laughs> the the clincher here is that now I, I don't know now you said there's third party apps and all that. I'm not sure the extent to which you can do this or you would do this or maybe it's too hard and most consumers wouldn't do it. But like with Android, like it is this malleable thing that you can really make it however you want it to be. And I'm not sure you have that same level of flexibility with iOS. You do. Um, I think it's like people always throw this customization thing out there. And I think that for the average users, they don't. And if they do, it just becomes messy and not managed. And I think it's always better to go with the update, right? There's this kind of, thing in um, my line of work around product development that pretty much says that you should try to stay as close as you can to the to the main vein of where software is being updated. And the problem with these customizations theory is that once you move too far away from it, it just becomes messy. You can um, personalize a hell of a lot on a Mac device. Most of the times you don't need to. And it's better to let the updates and the systems run because there are people that are trained to look at the UI, look at the experience, the UX, and update it continually for you and become much, much more intuitive over over time, right? So, look, I think that it gives you more than enough customization for the average user to do a lot of these things. I am very keen when when Android users say, I can just do whatever I want. And they always pull out the example of, like, widgets. Oh, but you don't have, you don't have widgets. <laughs> and, they, and, and Apple users do, and they, they get applied automatically through through a range of different things, right? And so I, I just, um, I scratched my head a little bit with with that one. Um, I do believe they're very similar now. It didn't used to be. Like I, I often catch my, I have to catch myself because the Android operating system that I always compare myself to, the ones that I've seen, has moved on. It's not like that anymore, right? And I think both parties probably feel like that, like the iOS that maybe you're referring to is not the current one and the Android system that I'm thinking of was like a shit one, you know, six years ago. And so my understanding is that, like you said, they're, they're almost exactly the same now anyway. But f- for me, it's just like uh, I, I trust the process of the updates. Like back in time, you remember that people used to feel like this too, very get very attached to the user interface. Do you remember back in the day? Okay, here's a good example. Back in the day with Facebook, there was like every now and then there was a user interface update and people would lose their mind. They complain <laughs> about it for literally two weeks straight. And then at the end of that two weeks, they never spoke about it again because they, that's how fast it took them to get used to it. And now that used to be the same way with iOS updates. Oh, don't, don't, don't update to iOS 6. It's going to fuck up your machine. Just don't do it. Just stay on there as long as you can. And there used to be this real panic around it, like almost like it was an interest rate announcement. But now no one cares because it's, they've, they've gotten the flow. They've gotten the cadence. People don't care. They just trust them to update it. Um, and I think that's where both... Um, operating systems have got to now like people don't have that much thinking of whether to go on like what ridiculous name that android uses ice cream or pickle or dill pickle or you know whatever jelly bean you guys call your operating systems but what is it what is it now don't i, I, I don't know i'm not, I'm see what not I mean? an so you don't even know anymore, boy, but, 
because that was part of the thing too, like where it does become ideological, where even the operating system stuff. So obviously Apple wants you to stay up to date and it's trying to push you to update. But of course, Android, like it's, it's all your choice, right? You don't ever have to update if you don't want to. And um, as a result, the, the, the stats are that there's a huge range of operating systems in the, in the Android environment, which makes development and bug fixes and security much harder because there's so much variety out there. So there's, there's this um, concept called like emergent order, right? Which is that essentially most of the order that we have in, in the universe or in, in, on Earth at least, it, it's, it hasn't been designed or built it's just emerged. So an example of, of this would be, you know, why is it, I gave the example with the bakery, right? Why, why is it that the bakery knows how many loaves of bread to bake in the morning, right? There's no, there's no design in the background. <laughs> it's just yeah. the market has worked the way it's worked and ev- the whole system's come together and, and the baker just knows like <laughs> what to do, right? because it's had that experience and the feedback loops and the incentives and all that sort of stuff happening in the background. Look, my background is in economics, so I view the world through this lens of, of emergent order and I find very often when you're when I'm like engaging with, let's say, engineers or people who like to build things. Now, in your case, I think you're – I don't know you would call yourself an engineer, but you're, there's certainly people I who would. build things, right, <laughs> um, in, in, your, in your space too. But there's this – fascination of of like building things right and and yeah. i think apple is that kind of champion right they're the yes. they're the ones that will come yes. and and they live like, and die by it tell you what you want and build it for you and design it for you whereas the rest for me that's the emergent order ecosystem that's the that's the like because we were talking about user interface on Android. That's like, well, how, for however many different Android devices there are, there are that many different configurations. Yeah. And m- probably a lot of them are shit, but eventually there'll be one that's really successful and that gets rolled out. And that's how the innovation like works yeah. in the Android space. Whereas in the Apple space, someone's got to decide that that's the best way. And that's for this me a, like, yeah. A really good way of breaking it down, right? Because when you spoke about Apple fanboys and how much love... Steve Jobs gets, right? Because I think this is where the rubber hits the road. What you're describing there in that is, is a lot of chaos. It's kind of like a Darwinian evolution kind of thing that will actually adapt to the, you know, survival of the fittest when it comes to code and, and user interface and stuff. While someone like Steve Jobs pretty much had much more of a design visionary approach to say, um, people don't always know what they want, right? We we're locked in this dance. We have to show the conviction of our design and we live and die by that, right? And so they attempt to to do that much more. And, and a classic, classic example was how much pushback he got for not putting a USB port on the on his products. <laughs> well, that's come full circle, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just like he's not he's, – everyone was like, you're crazy. No one will buy this device at this price point without a USB port or an SD card. It's just not like this is the stupidest decision you've ever made. He said, no, I'm showing conviction that just around the corner, we're not going to need that because of X, Y, Z, cloud, all this kind of stuff. And it paid off, right? And that was a design decision as a designer that he was prepared to make, right? Now, the other thing that we're kind of getting at now is that Apple really is one of the few full stack games in town because they do everything. You get a product that is designed and manufactured from start to finish all on their own devices. 
Sorry, well, all in their own efforts. Now, where can you get that? Like, where else can you get that? Like, I suppose maybe Lenovo with Microsoft and stuff like that, but even then, right? Apple is the only kind of like credible full stack game. And so that means something to to a lot of people. It means something to me um, that they, they've taken responsibility for the full end-to-end product. And you can tell when it comes together, right? They are the Coke. Samsung is the Pepsi. Would you concede that fact? Um, no, I don't think I would. I don't think I would. I think they're perceived by some as the premium brand, including yourself, obviously. But no, I'm just like not any one person, but, you know, like consensus. Well, the, but this is the thing, like people who use Apple only, like they're almost different products and segments, right? Like there are very few Android users who are going to switch to Apple and, vi- and vice versa. There are very few Apple users who are going to switch to Android, right? So I'm not sure that you can say what you just said because I think that's almost suggesting that like imagine you don't eat, you don't drink Coke, right? It's like, it's like comparing, well, Coke is the best in the Coke market, but like but really what Samsung's playing is a completely different drink, you know, <laughs> like it's not, so you can't really say, yeah, I mean, imagine, I don't know what the most premium form of orange juice is, but like, you know, imagine like Samsung's the premium version of orange juice and then you're trying to compare that to Coke. So why, why aren't they the same? Sorry. Why are they the same drink when they're like almost exact copies of each other? Well, because they are still different, right? So your people who use Android will, will not want to use Apple generally and, and vice versa. So they achieve the same purpose and function and they ostensibly deliver the same result. But it is quite frustrating to switch, right? It it would be frustrating for an Apple user to start using Android and vice versa. So Don't don't you also think, though, Andy, there's just too much choice when it comes to this stuff? And actually, even the choice that you have within the Apple suite is like more than enough to cover things. Like there's so it, it, do people really want to have to wade through Harvey Norman and there's like different chip brands and there's different things. They all look different. They're, they're indistinguishable. There's like RAM and CPU freaking 16 quad cores. Like who can make sense of it? Like why, why is that a good thing? Well, choice is always a good thing if it's artificial choice. So if it's like let's say for one product there's like They're very hard to compare is what 15 I'm yeah but if you want to invest some time to understand what you're getting yourself into if you want if you don't like choice right because you don't understand what you're buying then there's plenty of apple alternatives for for non-apple users right so if you just want like a good pc and or a good phone whatever whatever category we're talking about like there's plenty of sellers or manufacturers that will give you here is just we've got these models you choose the one we'll take that we'll make it easy for you right and and in that case you'll trust like let's say dell like if, if you're looking at a laptop right if you want like a good value pc you buy something in our inspirion series or whatever it's called you know um and you can you know, like these sort of manufacturers exist in the market and they can fulfill that space for that you that you just mentioned that apple has so there is a way to like cut back the choice and then you get a bit more customer support than if you get it from the dodgy guy down the road with his little pc shop business going to give you you know whatever he might come up with right so that stuff kind of exists in the market but the question of like is there too much choice well you know i i know that can be a thing but i think where we're talking with pc is very very hard to compare them if you walk into a jb looking for a laptop that is not obviously and you're not wanting to go apple ecosystem it's very confusing no but Um, but like none of those stats actually mean much in real terms but i think what we should focus on the relevant question for me is apple closer to the spectrum of 
insufficient choice or is the PC ecosystem too close to the too much choice end of the spectrum? In in my view, like it's it's absolutely clear that I'd rather face the peril of having too much choice in the context of the current PC market than face the peril of having too little choice as it is in the current Apple ecosystem. So I think just to give a, an example, right, thinking about like things that you want to up in your system. And you might actually have a technical need for certain things in in a system, right? Like we've talked about the gaming example. So if you want to have this extra power in this one domain, it's much easier to do that with PCs as it is with Apple, right? Yeah. So, so and that's where the the choice comes into into play. We're we're all a victim of our experiences as well, right? And I think that the world's moved on in a lot of ways when it comes to personal computings in general. Like I actually didn't have a laptop that was non-work for the better part of a decade. I didn't need it. And only recently I bought one, as you know, because it's a Mac and we've been talking about it. I remember back when I was in school, I had an old school PC tower that had been built and upgraded and everything. I, I built it myself. Like an old car, it systematically broke down. And back in those days, you had to take it to like a computer shop, which was run by the most heinous Asian nerd I've ever seen, which I thought, man, this place is going to be good. But it was just like a nightmare of trying to fix an old car of like problems like breaking okay now it's the motherboard now it's this now it's the power supplies doing something and i just it was just like in and out of this shop and i'm just like surely this isn't how it should be like owning a personal computer but for a lot of people that that was the experience right when things break and things go wrong and it was never seen as a thing of like beauty or like a something that was that you got satisfaction from touching or holding or looking at and that's where I think Apple's really changed that as well. Like, you know, and that goes back to one manufacturer controlling everything, not just a Frankenstein of parts coming together and hoping that it all works and that it's all optimized together. And that's the that's the difference in the model as well, right? Like it just works. You know, like it just <laughs> yeah, it but, just fucking works. I think you're guilty of um subbing in like you, you said before, smartphones, your experience with Android from five years ago or whatever. I think that that's well, the extreme because I use PC. That's a very extreme example. And that's and, and I, I dob myself in there. I built that computer myself. So I've only got myself to blame. Maybe I put the wrong parts together. But I just know from work. Like I've I've used Dell laptop laptops for a long time and then HP. Those things are just pieces of shit. Like why it feels like they go out of their way to make it crappy. The material, the way that when you hold it, it bends. Like the way no, that when you like rub it, it's just like. But this but, stuff is part of the experience, and it's not as durable. Like they're they're so crappy, man. Like my Dell laptop was just like a chain around my neck. Like <laughs> now it's all out. The reason you don't like PCs is because they're not tactile enough for you. <laughs> what, what, if anything, would it take you to to give Apple a go again? I'll say this, right? And I tried to sort of suggest before, I'm not like against Apple intrinsically. So, but let me give you the probably the three things that I would say Apple, like I, I would give them massive credit for. One is as of 20, well, it, like the last 20 years, let's say, the, or probably 25 years, really, the extent of like innovation and impact they've had is like this is a window of time where like in, when people in like 100 years or 200 years are thinking about innovation, like innovation of this era, Steve Jobs will, will go down as like almost like the Thomas Edison, right, sort of thing, right, where it just was just the amount of kind of innovative output and rethinking, redesign, product design, all that sort of stuff that you mentioned, right? And I guess maybe where to kind of reconcile that with my preference for more emergent order and more kind of, 
you know, you put a natural selection style approach to innovation is that you can have your window of opportunity where you can achieve that, but like it's very hard to sustain that like yeah. in perpetuity, right? So that's that's the first tick for Apple. Second tick for Apple is <laughs> we didn't deliberately go and benchmark our computers like just for in preparation for this episode, but we did do some things with our computers at the same time to do with um, podcasts and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, like there, there's definitely some things that it does, which if you're a certain kind of user doing certain kind of work, it's very efficient and it does a really good job. And to your point, it's like optimized for that particularly like multimedia or that kind of stuff, right? So, and it might even be that it actually is best bang for buck for that use case and and it does have an architecture that it only like Apple has, which is good. So objectively, for the design, there there there's some sweet spots where Apple do, does a very good job, right? And then the third thing, which we haven't touched on today, but I think it is something actually is probably for me the biggest like selling point for Apple is they have been probably the most responsible of all the tech companies when it comes to their their business model and trying to deliver good products and earn a, a good honest income from selling good products whereas i think all of the other players in this space are in the data game and are in the like they want to mm. they want access to your data so they can do stuff in ai and they can yeah like they can build all these we other products we haven't spoken about the security angle much which um well i don't even mean to, but see i don't even just mean security i mean like what's the reason that you can go and get all of these wonderful services from google for free it's because mm-hmm. it's like they, they they're using your data from you and building new products and services off of your data and that's mm-hmm. something apple doesn't do so and that's not necessarily the security thing although you know i know that that's another might be another plus for apple is security but yeah it's just that whole philosophy whereas i think apple's just like we'll sell you a good product as long as you pay us for it yeah no that, that I, I agree with those things and um we we obviously haven't brought up data security as a as a topic, but that's something that obviously Apple is very responsible about too. There's, they've had their issues, and I won't mention the whole facepalm breach and incidents where you could ring someone for FaceTime and you could hear their audio no matter where they were in the in the ring time rather than when they picked up. That was a particularly feisty episode. Um, so no one's perfect, but they do they have been very much in the market of trying to limit app tracking and all these kind of things with your data, which is um, admirable in this environment where, you, where, like you said, data is actually very valuable. So I will say that I agree with you on principle. I am also a believer in emergent kind of ways of thinking there and that natural selection. I just don't want to be part of the the, the arm, the branch of natural selection that gets fucked over. And so I'd rather um, <laughs> align. And I do like the kind of design someone has designed my thing from start to end so you know that um kate bush song running up that hill you know the one that was like on stranger yeah. things and stuff you know how like the premise of that song is like if when having sex you trade places with the opposite sex to, <laughs> to experience what it's like spend a lot of time thinking about that <laughs> i think maybe we need to run up that hill <laughs> maybe it's like wife swap we would like phone swap <laughs> all right i'll um i'll speak to you later on my android Device. I'll send you a I'll send you a message but you probably won't get it. <laughs>